It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. We've been on a mini hiatus because of a death in the family, and we're back. I'll just leave it at that. And I'm in a different spot because we're awaiting for a new life in our family, and it's been kind of interesting. Waiting for a new baby, and that'll make me a more more. That's pretty cool. Now, I'd love to tell you that things are going swimmingly in the world around us, but we know that's just jive. That's not true. So I'll get to Afghanistan in a moment, and we'll talk to retired General Paul Vallelie on what the hell happened in Afghanistan in just a couple of minutes. Some of his comments are controversial, but all are hard-earned and heartfelt. But now let's get this out of the way. There are more lockdowns and losses of freedoms due to the increased positive test results of COVID and the latest strain of it. Deaths are not increasing. Deaths are not increasing. In fact, are lower than at the beginning of the pandemic. But this strain is more easily transmissible. And now governors, Democrats overwhelmingly, they're using the case counts, positive test results, which may or may not be accompanied by any symptoms. This to stay locked down, masked up. And now they're threatening people's jobs, their jobs, if they don't get shot up by what is objectively an experimental shot. There's no choice, they say. Do it or you're fired. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of the governors on the West Coast, for sure, are saying that teachers and nurses and other people, university students, etc., must have this, this, this shot. And for people in the, let's say, teaching ranks in Washington state, there's a question. Okay, so Governor Inslee, what do you do if there is a mass resignation by people who choose not to get the COVID vaccination or shot, as we call it? And do you have anything to backfill the jobs that will need to be filled? Nothing. They got nothing. No choice. In the matter, um, they have no solutions. You have no choice. Do it or you're fired. And there are a lot of legal happenings around these diktats, and I'll have more on that legal wrangling on the next episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. But there's plenty to break down on this, and we'll hear about it. I've got some attorneys have gotten the uh, hopper that we hope to have come on the show to explain some of this stuff. Now, at the University of Washington Medical Center, doctors are kicking people off the transplant list if they refuse to get a COVID shot. They're kicking them off the transplant list. Colleague Jason Rance of KTTH Radio, where I fill in, uh, first reported this. And I did a treatment of it over at uh, PJ Media entitled uh, Seattle Hospital to Heart Transplant Patient. Get a COVID shot or drop dead. And basically, they have. I wrote, The University of Washington Medical Center has dropped a man who's been on the heart transplant waiting list for two and a half years because he won't get a COVID shot, and he's not the only one. Sure, nobody ever heard of COVID two and a half years ago, and UW didn't require the shots then because they didn't exist, but all of a sudden, the teaching hospital's attitude has flipped. The shot is not a choice, but a command. It's a policy. A policy that doesn't seem to be written down anywhere. Apparently, it seems to be an ad hoc one. Now that the doctors are all in on the experimental shot, the fallout from which no one fully knows. Their attitude is, we know better than you, so shut up, 
sit down, take your medicine, or the ticker gets it. And indeed, the heart, the ticker, is getting it. Getting booted from the list is Sam Allen, a 64-year-old man from Monroe, Washington. And uh, they have basically told him, yeah, the ticker's going to get it. This list you've been on for two and a half years? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. But wait, it's not just about a crazy John Deere riding hayseed from Nowheresville. That would be me, not wanting the shot. And I wrote, it's not like the 64-year-old Alan is shooting up heroin or smoking meth and living in a tent city, blighting one of Seattle's finer neighborhoods. He hasn't blocked any freeways or burned a police precinct. He's not a pimp or crack hoe, both of whom have no problems getting free medical care and free drug paraphernalia. Oh, no, Alan is the guy who lives in a rural area and has been reading the evidence of how COVID, the shots, aren't the best thing for his compromised heart. He wrote it in a letter to the University of Washington after they said, sorry, buddy, you're taken off the list. I understand that my choices have repercussions, but I did not change the policy. I am most put off, not by your decision to remove me from the list, thereby removing any opportunity to live out my life at a near normal level, but by the lack of scientific logic that dictates your policy. He points to the side effects associated with the vaccine is why he does not want to get it. And he wrote, as a person who has spent much time and money at UWMC as a heart failure patient, I'm being told I cannot care for my condition unless I take an injection that is shown to cause cardiac problems. It seems to me that a wise choice would be to not make a panic move and run to get injected with an experimental gene therapy until more is known. Oh, well, there's more of that. Makes perfect sense. The guy has a compromised heart. I know a person who's been treated at UW Medical Center for a heart condition who has not gotten the shot because guess what? And he's a trained, I mean, medical student and person who's a researcher now. He goes, yeah, I'm not getting that because it's not good for my heart. So the takeaway is that the doctors hope the shot helps. I mean, they're hoping because there's plenty of evidence that it may hurt certain people, but the one size fits all is not the way to do retail medicine like this. I mean, busy doctors don't have a lot of time to keep up with the changing information about these shots and the reactions to them. So they take the word of the media And this is true. And the CDC, which has not been good at transparency, to say the very least, Um, the lab leak theory comes to mind. So that makes this, this choice to kick people off the transplant list, several people, because they refuse to take the vaccine, a political calculation. And whether the doctors see it that way or not, it is. Okay, on to Afghanistan. Honestly, I know mothers who have planned vacations when we used to have them, I mean, better than the Biden administration did for this Afghanistan exfil. I mean, this is this is beyond embarrassing. And whatever happened to the big shot secretaries of state, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the SECDEF resigning in the face of having to fulfill a crazy order from the commander in chief, Joe Biden. I mean, this is not only embarrassing, it's catastrophic. Remember when uh, a SECDEF, uh, James Mattis, resigned instead of pulling all our troops out of Syria during the Trump administration? Now, that was not all that it seemed, but at least he left the impression that the way to do it, if you 
disagree with your commander in chief, you stand up, be counted and resign because you do so out of your integrity, your decision as to whether or not that plan is a good one and you don't agree. So screw it. I'm out. I mean, honestly. So years ago, I mean, years ago, I began talking with a man I've always called our man in Fallujah, Mike Rosen, when he was part of the logistics team that helped carry out the successful second battle of Fallujah, Operation Phantom Fury in Iraq, because the first one didn't work out so well. So when he got back stateside, he took on new duties and he texted me on Sunday and he gave me permission to write about it, directly quote him and name him, but not the other names in his texts. So in a piece I wrote over at PJ Media, I, it's entitled, I am so sick to my stomach right now. Retired Marine reacts to POS Joe Biden's disastrous bug out from Afghanistan. I recounted after returning stateside, Rosen began working out of the local base in what might be the toughest assignment of his professional life as a Marine. Now, remember, he he was wounded in an IED attack in Fallujah. You didn't know that until I told you, but let's, let's just keep that in mind. But Rosen was part of the Marine Corps Casualty Assistance Program, and it was his job to go door to door to break the news to spouses and families when their loved ones died while serving overseas. And he texted me after hearing about the Biden bug out in Afghanistan. He texted me on Sunday and he said he's given permission to share his messages and names have been removed, etc. And I have cleansed some of his potty talk, but here's the bottom line. And he said, I'm so sick to my stomach right now. Another humiliating evacuation from an embassy to close out a war. This administration makes me effing sick. Embarrassing as hell. The death notifications I did for AFGKIAs, that's Afghanistan killed in actions, Lindsay blank, married for two months to her husband, Will, when he was killed on Thanksgiving Day on 2010. Josh blank, KIA in AFG, June 2010, notified his wife when she was seven months pregnant. And my best friend, Durand blank, lost his leg, destroyed his face, sense of smell and taste from an IED. Effing piece of blank Biden. I shared that. I believe we should have deployed special forces to continue the job of Mike Spann and the CIA paramilitary guys who started it all right after 9-11, leaving a small footprint to hunt bin Laden. We should have left a security force at Bagram, I told him, retain control of that airbase and put this 7th century hellhole on the list of rotations for a limited number of U.S. troops like we do in Germany and Japan. And for God's sake, cut out the nation building. And he wrote back and he said, 100% agree. Biden and his liberal POSs have taken everything we have fought for and literally pissed on us. F him. And that was his take. Now, over at PJ, I wrote a piece about all the stuff we hastily left behind. You know, months ago, we started 
dismantling, selling for scrap and all sorts of breaking down and sending back and all that. A bunch of military equipment because Joe Biden has had announced that uh, we would leave by September 11th, 2021. Can you believe that? What a clueless, clueless date for getting out. But forget that for just a second. Because of his Bay of Pigs-like moment here in Afghanistan, billions of dollars of equipment that has now fallen into the hands of Iran and therefore Russia and China has been left behind. Even Leon Panetta, Democrat, former SecDef, I think under Clinton, he said this is a Bay of Pigs disaster for Biden. So what did he do? Because it was so hasty and everything fell so quickly. And because you have to know the intelligence community, as well as the DOD, told Biden this was going to happen because they have known for years, apparently, unbeknownst to most of us over here, that the Afghan army wasn't going to be able to tolerate an offense, an and an onslaught from the Taliban for whatever reason. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that they had no will to to fight. I mean, clearly, they laid down their weapons and said, yeah, we, we out, we out. And what was interesting was that <clears throat> some folks on Twitter, one in specific, pointed out he was looking at the Taliban fighters and he was looking at, A, their weapons, and B, the way they were holding their weapons and how they had extraordinary trigger discipline. And basically, you know, he was saying, gee, I wonder if uh, these guys were trained by U.S. forces. And you have to believe that was probably true with a lot of these guys. All they did was change the uniform and pick up their gun again. So there's billions and billions of dollars of stuff left behind striker vehicles, missiles, uh, Black Hawk helicopters, at least an F-15 or an F-15 simulator. Uh, That's worth F-15 simulators or an F-15 is $87 million worth. Black Hawks are $6 million uh, U.S. And I think that's on the cheap side, frankly. I mean, I, I just do. I mean, we armed the Taliban. That means there is and there was no secure spot to exfiltrate. Americans. Uh, so we gave up Bagram weeks before. Could have used those airfields. But what did we have to do to get all, all the people out? Had to use the Karzai airport, the military side of the Karzai airport, where there's one, one runway. Not big enough in general for the heavy loads and the heavy uh, cargo airliners that we have to send in to take people out. N- they gave it up. They gave it up. Turned out all the lights, ruined a bunch of stuff. It's been ransacked now. Ransacked. And there wasn't quite a bit left. Uh, they, they got rid of a lot of stuff to their credit, uh, but there was a lot of stuff left. Yeah, that's not even the human cost. I can't even begin to calculate that. I mean, let's be honest. People are fighting for their lives. There are Americans over there. We may never see again. 
They may never get out. The Taliban may skin them alive, as they reportedly did to one woman who dared to ask for equal rights or something. Maybe not to have to wear a hijab or something. But first, before um, we talk about what the overall fallout of this bug out from Afghanistan is with General Paul Vallely, I want you to hear the words of a British MP. Uh, his name's Tom Tom Tugendhat. You may have seen him on the news, but I can guarantee you that if you've been watching the news, you haven't heard the whole thing. And he said this before the House of Commons. He's a man who's a combat vet who served in Afghanistan alongside the 82nd Airborne. His erudite, barely contained rage is worth listening to. And listen for a couple of things here. Because like I say, it's eight minutes, so I will come back, and so will General Paul Vallely. How he doesn't include the United States on his list of allies, and how the U.S. screwed over NATO, the idea of endless wars and turning it into endless peace, and his use of the word patience. Stick with him, and then on the other side, we'll get to General Paul Vallely. Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage. The feeling abandonment of not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw, left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists who've been the witnesses to our country in its heroic effort to save people from the most horrific fates. I know that we've all been struggling. And if this recall has done one thing, let me tell you now, Mr Speaker, it's achieved one thing already. I've spoken to the Health Secretary, who's already made a commitment to do more for veterans' mental health. This isn't just about us. The mission in Afghanistan wasn't a British mission, it was a NATO mission. It was a recognition that globalisation has changed us all. The phone calls that I am still receiving, the text messages that I've been answering as I've been waiting, putting people in touch with our people in Afghanistan, reminds us that we are connected. We are connected still today. And Afghanistan is not a far country about which we know little. It is part of the main. That connection links us also to our European partners, to our European neighbours, and to our international friends. And so it is with great sadness that I now criticise one of them. Because I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. 
to see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran. It's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Because what we've done in these last few days is we've demonstrated that it's not armies that win wars. Armies can get tactical victories and operational victories that can hold a line. They can just about make room for peace, make room for people like us to talk, to compromise, to listen. It's nations that make war. Nations endure. Nations mobilise and muster. Nations determine and have patience. And here we've demonstrated, sadly, that we, the West, the United Kingdom, does not. Now, this is a harsh lesson for all of us. And if we're not careful, it could be a very, very difficult lesson for our allies. But it doesn't need to be. We can set out a vision clearly articulated for reinvigorating our European NATO partners to make sure that we are not dependent on a single ally, on the decision of a single leader, but that we can work together with Japan and Australia, with France and Germany, with partners large and small, and make sure that we hold the line together. Because we know that patience wins. We know it because we have achieved it. We know it because we have delivered it. The Cold War was won with patience. Cyprus is at peace with patience. South Korea, with more than 10 times the number of troops that America had in Afghanistan, is prosperous through patience. So let's stop talking about forever wars. Let's recognise that forever peace is bought, not cheaply, but hard, through determination and the will to endure. And that the tragedy of Afghanistan is that we're swapping that patient achievement for a second fire and a second war. Now we need to turn our attention to those who are in desperate need, supporting the UNHCR, the World Food Programme and so many other organisations who can do so much for people in the region. Yes, supporting refugees, of course I support refugees, though I'm not going to get into the political auction of numbers. We just need to get people out. So I leave with one image. In the year that I was privileged to be the advisor to the Governor of Helmand, we opened girls' schools. And the joy it gave parents to see their little girls going to school was extraordinary, and I didn't understand it until I took my own daughter to school about a year ago. There was a lot of crying when she first went in, but I got over it, and (laughs) it went okay. And I would love to see that continue. But there is a second image I must leave you with, and it is a harder one. 
but I'm afraid it is one that I think we must all remember. For a minute, a minute, and I wonder if you could say a bit more about that second image. <laughs> I'm very grateful to my friend who was watching the clock more than me. The second image is one that the forever war that has just reignited could lead to. It is the image of a man whose name I never knew, carrying a child who had died hours earlier carrying this child into our firebase and begging for help. Now, there was nothing we could do. It was over. Because, Mr Speaker, this is what defeat looks like. It's when you no longer have the choice as to how to help. This doesn't need to be defeat. But at the moment, it damn well feels like it. Ed David. And now a man who served in Vietnam, who is a former Fox military expert, a two-star general, who is watching the debacle in Afghanistan. Some of his opinions are controversial. You're just going to have to get over it. Here is retired Army General Paul Vallely on the Adult in the Room podcast. U.S. Army General retired Paul Vallely now heads up Stand Up for America Foundation, and he joins the Adult in the Room podcast. You should get on his email list and uh, go over to standupforamerica.us.org. His latest piece over there is called Abandoning Afghanistan. Read that. This is more than just Afghanistan at issue here. Now, General, thank you so much for coming on. We've been lectured to over the years about having an exit strategy, about having a plan, not just one plan, but a backup and tertiary plan and all the redundant plans to get people out in such a case. What the hell happened in Afghanistan? Well, to give you a little background, if I just focus on the Pentagon and the the Joint Chairman of the Joint Chiefs and our commands, and Central Command uh, out of Tampa, Florida, which is in charge of, of the Middle East. Uh, and my training at West Point in the Army Work College, Command and General Staff School, we learned how to exfiltrate, uh, how to withdraw, and in military terms, there's something called a retrograde operation where you pull your forces back to trade space and time for another time that you could encounter the enemy. But this is a purely this is a pure withdrawal out of a, a, an enemy zone, an enemy territory. And we call it that because the Taliban took over the territory. And so with that, you plan the evacuation of your equipment, your personnel, uh, civilians in the case they're involved. Uh, we saw withdrawals occur in uh, Korea during the Korean War. Uh, so uh, this is faulty planning on the, on the, on the part of the Defense Department. And even if Joe Biden says, no, we're not going to do that, if our defense forces knew that was the right thing, they should have stood up to the president and not permitted him to go forth with his edict to withdraw immediately without a superb and well-thought-out withdrawal plan. This is absolutely, uh, 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 this is criminal. This is criminal in nature. That's why Biden and Kamala Harris need to be removed from office immediately. 
He's doing in Kabul and elsewhere in Afghanistan what he's doing at the border, just leaving it. Well, yeah, now we have uh, three sites that have been picked out in the United States, uh, Fort McCoy, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Fort Lee in Virginia. Uh, and uh, we have another base, I think it's Fort Bliss in Texas, where they're going to move uh, the, uh, the Afghans we've taken out so far into three camps. Now we have a considerable amount of people still crossing our southern border with no control. We are a country without leadership. We are a country that is totally should be embarrassed by what we've done. This is heartbreaking to me to see what's happening to these Afghan people. It is beyond a military disaster and a humanitarian disaster. I mean, look with just for a moment before we talk about what should have been done. There are billions and billions of dollars, at least a billion dollars worth of equipment left behind from uh, planes and uh, Black Hawk helicopters, uh, Javelin missiles. We had all kinds of things left behind. Yes. Can you imagine a scenario under which the Taliban might love to have their hands on, oh, I don't know, a plane to run into some building somewhere? Well... They probably have captured many of the pilots that were trained by us in the Afghan armed forces. I'm sure many of them are still there. Uh, But here's the thing on that withdrawal. If you picture Bagram uh, Air Force Base, which was a former Russian Air Force Base, is about 40 kilometers north of Kabul. And then if you go to the north, you see Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, we could have made an arrangement with one of the stands to convoy up uh, all of our ground vehicles as well as ammunition and small arms and portable missiles. We could have also flown uh, our Black Hawk helicopters and jets up to those bases uh, to get them out of harm's way. That should have been part of the plan to get the equipment out. Now you take the people And in an extraction, a withdrawal like that, you always prioritize the people to go on the flights, in this case, that would be flown out in sequence. Your State Department people, your advisors over there, uh, unnecessary military that wouldn't be part of the backup uh, security force there. uh, But they selected uh, the airfield in Kabul, the International Airport in Kabul. They should have been using Bagram Air Base. I mean, this goes to show also a lack of fortitude and strength within our Pentagon to do the right thing. Because you have an idiot, you have an idiot in charge whose mental capacity is diminished uh, to what degree we don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. And then you have a worthless vice president who's clueless about on everything. Uh, we need a method to remove them from office. And I'm hoping Maricopa County will turn the tide in Arizona next week and we can put uh, President Donald Trump back in office. Because we can't wait for the elections to stay. We can't wait, uh, Victoria, for, for the elections. Destruction is occurring each and every day and over the last eight months what's happened. And just by using the 25th Amendment to remove Biden will take a period of time, more destruction going on. We need some method, and the only method I see is to put Donald Trump back in office. Well, you have to do that in an election because there's nothing in the Constitution no, that allows no, anybody that's not to be. True. 
Oh, no, that's where not is true. It? It's at the state. Mike uh, Mike Lindell's got all the proof that it was a fraudulent election. The state representatives at the state level can declare the elections uh, were inaccurate. They were hacked by the Chinese Communist Party, which makes them then invalid for Biden. Mm. Yes, we can do that. We can do that. Now, back to the debacle that is the Afghan war uh, and giving up the country to the Taliban when it didn't have to happen. We gave up Bagram. What the hell was that about? Bad planning. Bad planning. And I, and I blame our Pentagon. I blame our, our State Department, our national security people, and the Defense Department for not ensuring that Biden would do the right thing, and they didn't do that. So I hold all those parties responsible. You know, these folks at the Pentagon and all the woke crowd at state have always said that Donald Trump is just, uh, he's a, just a guy for, who shoots from the hip. He's wild. We can't depend on him. He doesn't have any credentials in public life like Joe Biden does. Therefore, Joe Biden is much better equipped to do this. John, Donald Trump had four years to do something stupid like this and didn't do it. But Joe no, Biden exactly took right. seven months. That's, exa- that's exactly right. Plus, Donald Trump had respect uh, from China and the other countries because they, they knew uh, he was an excellent st- uh, strategic planner, even though he had an experience in government. Uh, and uh, he would have held uh, their toes to the fire uh, that would precluded the Taliban from going forth with what they did because we had a strong commander in Trump. And, of course, under Biden, they knew, who was severely influenced by China. And you got to know China's playing a role here because oh, part yes. of their soap belt initiative, they're in there. They've already met with the Taliban. They're going to be supporting the Taliban China will control the valuable mineral resources uh, in Afghanistan. They'll continue to strengthen the Silk Belt Belt Initiative. And that's basically spyware for the entire world. Let's not forget that. And that was something the Trump administration knew very well. And uh, being able to do at a whim, uh, cut off power, do all kinds of things to communications around the world. That is not myth. That is not some conspiracy theory. In fact, it was laid out by Bill Barr in the uh, China initiative in the Trump administration. It's not crack pottery. It's the it's the truth. The human cost now we've left behind thousands of people. Yeah, we don't even know how many right now. We don't even know how many right now. We, I've heard several different estimates. I mean, 36,000, 80,000, 15,000. That is a failure that we don't even know how many people are out there. In addition, the fact that reporters are still left behind, I, you know, they're just like everybody else. But I mean, I, I can't imagine a president surviving something like this. I mean, this is a bungle of Bay of Pigs proportions. It's the worst in my lifetime. I spent two years in Vietnam. I knew that very well. I knew the withdrawal there. Uh, when I was with Fox News uh, uh, for eight years as their senior military analyst, I tracked everything that was going on in, in the withdrawal out of uh, Iraq, uh, and then, of course, the planned withdrawal over 20 years from Afghanistan. 
But see, in retrospect, when I covered this with Fox News back in late 2001, early 2002, um, we took down the Taliban then with a little over 100 men, special forces and CIA military, okay, in 31 days. Eight to 10,000 Taliban killed and forced out of the country of Afghanistan. Took refugee, the refuge I should say in Pakistan, in Northwest Pakistan. The Pakistani intelligence services supported the Taliban. Mm-hmm. We had Major General Dostrom in December 2001 standing by, commander of the Northern Alliance, to take over the country. What do we do? Bush, and I hold him at fault, for putting in and trying to create this nation building and democracy in a tribal land. We started to build up forces, as you may remember, mm-hmm. in 2002. Brigades, battalions, air bases, expansion to, to where uh, we, we were several years ago. And I knew at that time, and I said on the air, this is a mistake uh, for us to do it. That was 2002, and you can see what happened ever since what? through the different presidents. What gave you the breadth of knowledge to know at that point in time when it was early and people were, that was not a popular thing to say out loud on Fox News. What gave you the experience to say, this is a mistake? Well, my training at West Point, my combat experience, my command of soldiers in combat enemy environments, uh, the, uh, what had happened uh, in Iraq and uh, we saw Afghanistan and uh, we saw what happened in Korea when they didn't stand by General MacArthur who knew what to do and he was fired by MacArthur as you, as you may remember we, and I knew we had generals and admirals that were not trained like I was by the World War II generals and colonels General McInerney and myself and General mm-hmm. Flynn and so all that experience put together and it being a student of warfare of Sun Tzu, of Clausewitz, the principles of war. And they weren't abiding by those proven principles of war, mm-hmm. our generals and admirals that we have today. They're an absolute disgrace. Our CIA's a disgrace that we didn't have proper human intelligence on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Yeah, it's all there. Uh, fast forward to now, no generals. No one on the Joint Chiefs, no one in the major services has, re- has uh, quit. No one quit out of the commitment to what they knew was right. Exactly. Not like General Mattis did when he disagreed vehemently with Trump and said, I must step aside. I cannot condone this move to take troops out of Syria. And guess what? Trump didn't do it. But he lost his general over it. Fine. Okay. SecDef gone. No, but there was never Mad Dog and Mad Dog. That, that was all phony. Well, Mattis what, was wrong. He was not right. Trump was it, right in that regard. Interesting. The, yeah. Now, with respect to uh, just the question, how is it that we don't have these generals resigning over this profound screw up I think uh, a couple reasons number one they're more interested in their career they don't want to sacrifice getting another promotion they don't want to sacrifice not being able to go into a defense contractor uh, job uh, after after they retire lack of courage lack of courage is part of it 
That's what it is today. We had many of the generals and senior officers that uh, were forced out under Obama over 120. Mm -hmm. So he started cleaning out the better warriors we had in the Pentagon. Yeah. And we've had weak presidents like Bush and Clinton and Obama. And we finally got a strong president as we had with, with Ronald Reagan. But the American people, I mean, we, I hope, I hope the liberals and the left wing, the Democrats are enlightened by what's happening. And I think most of America is still asleep, though I think we're awakening a little bit, especially with what's happening with the masking and the COVID. And the Chinese Communist Party are loving it. They are loving everything that's going on because that just embraces them in their own minds to be the superpower of the world. And that's what they're doing. They hacked our elections. We have proof of that. They uh, conducted biological warfare with COVID-19 out of the Wuhan, mm. across the world into the United States. They're continuing to do gain-of-function uh, uh, experiments in the Wuhan lab. They're taking other viruses now. What other way without firing a nuclear weapon can you take down a country like the United States other than something like biological warfare? Our biological warfare is all done at Fort Federicks, Maryland. COVID was worked on there, as you may or may not know. Fauci and the uh, NIH uh, helped fund Wuhan lab with the help of Bill Gates. All of these things now have created this environment, this scenarios, these false scenarios even in the United States. So we got to wake up, America. we got to wake up now and take charge. The people have to do it. We can't depend on our politicians to do it. I have to ask, mm -hmm. I, well, if you're Taiwan right now, what are you thinking? Well, the, the Taiwanese are very worried right now. They know they're very vulnerable. They do have a great armed forces. They do have Japan that said they would stand behind them. South Korean armed forces. Uh, so you have probably three of the top armed forces out of 10 in the world in Taiwan, South Korea, and Japan. The Taiwanese now know they can't depend on America under the leadership or lack of leadership of Joe Biden and company. They are very worried and they should be because guess what? The next, next target for the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army is Taiwan. What happened to the leadership class in this country? Well, it disappeared. American people were asleep voting in these uh, ridiculously dumb, idiotic people in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. Uh, we were asleep at the switch and have been for years. We've been asleep at the switch of what's happening in our colleges, in our schools. We, be, we became a land of sheep, of followers, following this idiotic uh, critical race theory that you're trying to put out. Marxism, what, what they've been teaching on our campuses, 90% of the professors being, being left-wing or liberal. Uh, and I blame our corporations, Victoria, as well, who have been more interesting in profits, making money, working with the Chinese, 
and not backing America first all the way. Buying into the wokeism as Delta Airlines has done, as Nike has done. I mean, this is, uh, this is sinful what's happened in America. I worry about the warriors. We can only blame ourselves, but we've had 270 warriors stand up under Flag Officers for America. My opinion, we need to uh, make sure that uh, we have new leadership in the White House. I would bring a number of retired generals and admirals back on duty to straighten our armed forces leadership out. Well, what, what message does this send to this cadre, this wonderful group of men and women who have donned the uniform after September 11th and now have had their sacrifice cashiered just so simply, just so cavalierly, so wrongly. Listen, the rank and file are not stupid. These young men and women are not stupid. I was up at a National Guard armory yesterday and I talked to several sergeants up there who are they're, they're thinking the same thing we are. What has happened? <clears throat> what has happened to our senior military who don't have the courage and the guts to stand up like a, like a George Patton would? Patton would be turning over in his grave just as Eisenhower would MacArthur, Admiral Nimitz, Admiral or General Bradley. This is how disgusting this whole situation is. No shame. They have no shame. Finally, the uh, comparison of capital protesters and rioters to the Taliban is telling because they're projecting again. The left always does that. My old friend Reese Lloyd has called the left the secular Taliban, has been for as long as I've known him. Now, who's tearing down statues, General? Who's forcing their version of Sharia in the schools? Who's attacking people for what they say? Who is othering other people? Who's tearing down and hollowing out our institutions? Who doesn't want us to be able to defend ourselves? They're the Taliban, and that's the American left in this country as well. Yep, American left. And the lack of even those they call conservatives, the rhinos, the weak Republicans, the weak people that we have on the school boards, all the way down to the county level, some of our sheriffs, our policemen who have not stood up to the mayors, our state police has not stood up to these uh, uh, governors such as uh, Cuomo and the idiot Newsom in California, Whitmer in Michigan. <laughs> you know, they're the names. We've allowed it to happen. And we're suffering the consequences of it. And we see what a country, the people like Af- the Afghans, who are wonderful people, except for the Taliban, who are terrorists and a terrorist organization. Same result here, though. Yep, same result. Exactly. Thanks, General. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you uh, having the fortitude to get through all of the technical snafus we've experienced today, but it was well worth it, I think. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple Podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review plus of course subscribe to the podcast it makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs and it makes us easier to find 
Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed. <laughs>